Our scripture this morning is from the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. As we continue making our way through the book of Hebrews, we come to Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 1 to 18. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture this morning? For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me, in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you have spoken to us. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would come and speak to us now. That we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And that his sheep would know him and follow him. We pray that we would see him high and lifted up and offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely. So come and speak with us and speak to us now in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, the be-all and the end-all. I don't know much about smartphones or iPhones or whatever. I carry a flip phone. As most of you know, I rarely bring it, but I did bring it this morning. Here it is, a flip phone. 
as long as they make them, that is what I will use. And if they ever stop making flip phones, I reckon I'll just go back to a landline. Or maybe just not have a phone, period. That sounds good to me. I have no need to be connected to everyone else all the time. But there are folks, or so I have heard, that there are folks that every time a new model iPhone comes out, they will line up and wait all night for the privilege of paying $1,000 for the newest phone when it comes out. You know, there's never the last phone. There's always something changing, something improving, something they could have put into the last phone, but they didn't to make you spend $1,000 for the next one. And always some poor people who don't know any better, maybe you're one of them, who are willing to wait as long as it takes and pay whatever it costs to get the shiniest, newest one. There will never be the be-all, end-all phone. To say something is the be-all and the end-all, it means it is the best there ever has been and the best there ever will be. If you have the be-all, end-all, you do not need anything else, and you never will. In the passage before us, the author is telling us that that is Jesus Christ. He is the be-all and end-all. He's telling us if you have him, you do not need anything else and you never will. Let's look at him. First in this passage, we see that Jesus is reality. He is reality. Look at verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Now the law there in verse 1, that's referring to the Old Testament sacrificial system. He says it's but a shadow. The animal sacrifices were a shadow, but a shadow of the good things to come. You look down on the ground on a sunny day, you cast a shadow. In some ways, your shadow resembles you, but it is not really you. Shadow cannot do what you can do, it cannot do anything at all on its own. All it can do is indicate 
that you are there. And we think about the light of God shining on the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes, I know it was dark when Jesus died. The sun withdrew its light. But think about the light of God revealing to us the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and that casts a shadow thousands of years back into the past. Those animal sacrifices under the old covenant were mere shadows of the cross of Jesus Christ, which the author describes in the middle of verse 10 as the true form of these realities. The animal sacrifices were not the reality. They could not do what the real thing does. All they can really do, much as your shadow on the ground, all those sacrifices can do was indicate that the reality was there. And the end of verse 1 says that the sacrifices could not perfect the worshiper. Now look down at verse 14. Verse 14. For by a single offering, he, that's Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It was impossible for animal offerings to perfect the worshipers. But here we see that Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 4 says it is impossible for animal blood to take away sin. Now look at verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Now there in verses 5 to 7, the author is quoting from the Old Testament from Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. He says there, Psalm 40 says, as the Old Testament says, in several places that God does not desire animal sacrifices. Yet, God commands animal sacrifices. Why does God command what he does not desire? He commands or commanded animal sacrifices for the good specifically for the education of the sinner. The animal sacrifice will not satisfy God. The animal sacrifice 
will not save the sinner, but the animal sacrifice was necessary to point the sinner in the right direction. But here, he quotes again the, the Old Testament there, Psalm 40, as it is speaking of Jesus Christ, as though Jesus himself is the speaker of Psalm 40. David wrote it, but it is ultimately a word about Jesus Christ. It is the word of Jesus Christ. And here, if you look in verse 5, quoting Psalm 40, Jesus says, A body you have prepared for me. I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, but uh, the original, if you go back in your Old Testament and read Psalm 40 and verse 6, you will see that it says that uh, you have opened my ears or pierced my ears. And that, that's a reference to opening to hear, not uh, piercing for an earring, which was done in the Old Testament under certain circumstances. How does he get here in Hebrews 10, 5, a body you have prepared for me out of you have opened my ears? Well, can you have ears without a body? Ears are part of the body. If you got ears, you got a body. In the original, in Psalm 40, when he says, you have opened my ears, what he's saying is, I hear what you say. I will do in my body what you tell me to do. You see here in Hebrews 10, 7, he says, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. That is the sacrifice that God desires. The sacrifice that pleases God. His obedience. Obedience. Human obedience in a human body. You know, in the Old Testament, the animal was sacrificed against his will. The animal lives by instinct, but he has an instinct to keep alive. Animal was sacrificed against his will. Jesus took a body to do the will of God. The animal sacrifice was only a shadow. Jesus is reality. Now second and finally in this passage we see that Jesus is finality. He is reality and now he is finality. Look at verse 2. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Now, the animal sacrifices had to be offered over and over again. Why? They did not really work. They were only preparatory. 
Preparation by nature is repetitive. We're drawing to the end of postseason in Major League Baseball. It is about the middle of season for football. Practice is repetitive. You get the team ready for the real event, but the game is only played once. I don't know how many repetitions the University of Georgia football team had preparing to get beat by South Carolina yesterday. But the game is over. And Georgia can't say, we don't like the way that game came out. Let's repeat it. Let's do it over. Like a team running drills. Like linemen hitting the sleds. Look at verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. The priest literally practiced his trade again and again and again offering sacrifices that had no true effect. And you notice it says there in verse 11 that the priest stands daily. You know, there's no chair in the temple, no chair in the tabernacle because the priest's work was never done. Look at verse 13. Waiting. From that time, excuse me, verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, you remember we saw a couple weeks ago that the temple was a copy, or the tabernacle was a copy down on earth of the real presence of God in heaven. But there are not a few differences between the copy on earth and the genuine article up there. Now, you remember in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, that was the copy of God's throne room. You remember there was the Ark of the Covenant, the lid of the Ark, the mercy seat. There were the, the cherubim, the angels with their wings outstretched. And then the Ark itself, the, the covenant, it was a, a gold-plated box. And the Ark represented God's footstool and the angels on the uh, covering of the ark represented the angels that fly around the presence of God on his throne. In the highest heaven, but in the holy of holies, there was no graven image of the Lord God Almighty. And there was no throne. No chair. But 
but in the real thing up there there is a throne and our high priest is seated on that throne because his work is done verses top of your bulletin from Luke 23 it tells us that when Jesus died the veil of the temple was rent in twain it was torn in two from top to bottom frequently as we will see later moving through Hebrews it, uh, this shows us that the way into the presence of God has been opened by the death of Jesus but it shows us more than that it shows us God is done with that temple God himself desecrated his own temple because its work is over. There is no need for a temple in Jerusalem, no need for an animal sacrifice because the Lamb of God has been slain for the sins of the world by a single offering. Jesus has perfected once and for all those who are being sanctified. We are in the process of being made holy, of being perfected, though we have not yet achieved it. But our holiness, our perfection has already been accomplished and secured by the work of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. Then he adds, I'll remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. You see that? All sin. Gone. No more any need for an offering. No need for a priest to stand day after day. No need to toil and labor and work yourself to death trying to make yourself right with God. It is done. Lifted up was he to die. It is done. Finished was his cry, now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. Every sin was paid. There is no more sacrifice to be made. There is nothing left to do. It is Jesus alone. In him and by his work, all sin is forgiven and forgotten. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And these folk were tempted to turn back. They were tempted to turn back something that couldn't work. I don't know where you tempted to turn to 
today. You don't know where I'm tempted to turn today. But I'm here to tell you and to tell myself wherever we may be tempted to turn, it will not work. It will not take away our sin. There's one sacrifice, one Savior, one way. If you have him, you have the be-all and the end-all. The best that ever was and ever will be. Press on. Do not turn back. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.